I invite you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. That's on page 149 in the front of your Bibles. If you use one of the Bibles that are in the sanctuary here, there are some at the front and by the back doors as well. Or you can follow along in your own Bible or you can just listen however you would like to do that. We're finishing up our series, Learning from Moses, today. And we end with the very last words of Deuteronomy, which are the very last words of the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. So hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, the top of Pagash, Pisgah, sorry, which is opposite of Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. And for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in all the sight of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. So we started this journey with Moses and it's very confusing time. Moses was a man confused by where he belonged, who he was, and about this passion that he had for justice for his people. We find him now at rest with God. On this journey with Moses, we have moved through that place of confusion to that place of calling. And we have seen all along the way that Moses is not a man afraid of talking to God about what he's thinking about and what he's wondering about, what he's angry about, what he's afraid of, what he worries about. And here... We find Moses at rest and silent, at peace with God. 
We journeyed with Moses going from one picture of where God was taking him and his people to the next. First, promising Moses that they would worship at Mount Sinai, then promising Moses that God would continue to keep and actually bring them to the promised land, which Moses now looks upon and sees with his own eyes. But he, along with all of the other Israelites, have sinned and not trusted God, and he does not make it in body to the promised land. And yet, here he is, at rest and at peace with God. There's no more, let's just talk about this a minute, God. There's no more... But I have to get there so I know. Instead, we see the culmination of a life that Moses has lived. A life where God has repeatedly drawn him closer to himself and spoken with Moses face to face, which is with clarity and intimacy. And here we see the culmination of their friendship where Moses is open to receive. For it is not by any physical means that Moses dies. But because God says it's time. Moses is willing to say or be okay with not reaching the promised land because he has found a greater joy. He's willing to see that his whole life of work towards this goal of bringing the people of God to the promised land is complete, even if he himself does not enter the promised land because he has the greater reward, which is union with God. Moses, who has prayed earnestly for himself and for the people, who has learned to trust the work of Yahweh in him, who has seen a whole generation of people pass, who has worked to reach the promised land for God's glory, is satisfied to know that God's glory will be for another. For his glory is to be united with God. Just last week, we heard God promise to Moses, I will give you rest. And here we see that that rest is even a rest in his death. For no one knows where Moses is buried. There is no shrine to go pilgrimage to for Moses, although some churches have tried. But even in his death, Moses is given rest. For Moses has reached the place where his soul has been strengthened to know that the best place to be is at rest with God. Moses can look back and see how all of the things that he has gone through has drawn him closer to his Savior so that he can peacefully accept this picture of God's glory for the next generation and this 
rest of being in God's presence on the mountain. The epitaph that we hear from Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Yes, he did great works. Yes, God had great power show up through Moses to save the Israelites. But the thing that he is known first for is his intimacy and his closeness with God. And we know that never again, never since, ends with Jesus, right? Never since Moses has there been someone who knew such intimacy with God than Christ. The Christ who stands to give us that same rest in all circumstances. The Christ who takes all of the things that we go through in life all of the battles that we wage, all of the prayers that we offer of anger and worry and fear and doubt and also apathy. Wasn't that one of Moses' prayers? I just don't want to do it, God. And uses them to draw us closer to himself. Uses them so that instead of a goal of where our passions lie, of producing something great for the kingdom, we see those things as just part of our growing closer to God, of being more and more at one with God as we do that work, that we will be satisfied no matter the results because we are with our friend, Jesus. Knowing him face to face, knowing that out of that place comes all this power, knowing that out of that relationship comes this deep wellspring of purpose and work and action, knowing that out of that place there is no human standard of success that we must measure up to. But knowing out of that place is the place where God has called us to be. There's a modern day Moses that many of us know and are inspired by, and his name is Martin Luther King Jr. A man who was not perfect, just as Moses was not perfect, who committed his sins, but who sought to see God face to face to do the will of Christ our Lord and to bring salvation based on a passion that God had laid in him for the purpose of uniting the family of God and all people with dignity and honor. Like Moses, Martin Luther King Jr. had to learn how to balance this family life that God had called him to And this work of justice that God had called him to. And he didn't always do it perfectly. Like Moses. Like Moses, Martin Luther King Jr. had to listen and gain advice and wisdom from those that God brought into his life. Like Moses, Martin Luther King Jr. learned that it took a community of leaders to do the work of seeking God's will. In the area of seeking equality. He did not enter into that work alone, but with a community of black preachers. 
Like Moses, Martin Luther King Jr. prayed on the battlefields that were the civil rights marches and listened for the guidance of God, knowing that this fight and this battle belonged to someone besides himself. Like Moses, Martin Luther King Jr. was drawn closer to his Savior with every single battle, every single challenge. And he was brought to a place where all he wanted was to do God's will. He gave a speech on April 3rd that sounded a lot or seems to be a lot like Moses' last speech to the Israelites, where Moses tells them all that has happened, helps them understand where they have been and where they are going. And King traces this history of the civil rights movement that's happening by the work of God in their midst as people have obeyed and followed that call. And he traces it in an interesting way. He traces it by talking about a near-death experience when he was stabbed in New York and how he almost died. And the doctor told him that if he sneezed, his aorta would blow because of where the knife had landed. And he talks about how happy he was that he didn't sneeze because of all the things that he would have missed seeing God do. All of the steps and progress in the movement that he would have missed. I wonder if Moses might have said, Boy, I'm so glad I saw that burning bush in the same way. I'm so glad because then I could see God liberate his people. I'm so glad because then I could see God save his people from the Amalekites. I'm so glad because then I could see God bring water from a rock. I'm so glad because then I could see a new generation who has come to trust the Lord see the promised land. And so Martin Luther King Jr. does a similar thing. He tells this history of this movement. And then I want us to listen to these, his last words. As many of you know, that's the last speech that Martin Luther King Jr. ever gave because he was assassinated the next day. But the peace, the peace that he and Moses have 
with God. For the big callings, the big callings that they have and that we have as followers of Christ, to know that the big callings are nothing compared with union with Christ. That the big callings are just part of this relationship with God. To have that be what means the most to us is to know the peace of God. To know God and to be able to be at rest with him. So may our souls be strengthened by our God who strengthened Moses and many after. Who strengthened, who strengthens us now to be at rest. Amen. Let's just take a moment to pray. Lord, some of us, some of us know that our ends are in sight. Our time on earth is drawing to a close. Some of us don't know when that day will be. None of us know when that day will truly be. Some of us know that we have focused our attention on the work instead of the God who has called us to that work. Some of us are afraid to turn to the burning bushes that you have placed in our lives to draw our attention to you. Some of us don't know what to say to you about what we know will come. But we pray, Jesus, that you bring peace. That you bring us a rest from our worries and our strivings, from our fears and our doubts. And you bring us to a place where we are simply working and enjoying our relationship with you. We see in the story of scripture from Moses how you did that work. And we see how you took these two ordinary men. And you did extraordinary things through them, but the most extraordinary thing of all is how you shaped and changed them to find your peace and your rest. So we pray, Jesus, for your peace. We pray, Holy Spirit, for your continued perseverance. We pray, God, our Father, that we will rest in your presence. That you will strengthen our souls so that we will have a new depth and knowledge of you. That will sustain us in all circumstances. That you will help us to let go of any plans or goals of our own. And help us to be people who only want to do your will.
So Jesus, bring us your peace. The peace that led you to the cross, willingly sacrificing for our sake. The peace that led Moses and Martin into harm's way, knowing that whatever happened to them, in life and in death, they belong and we belong to you, our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. In all of these, we see what a gift it is to die in the knowledge of your love for us. And what a gift it is to live all of the days that we have here in that love. So Jesus, bring us that peace. Bring us that joy. And bring us that strength. And all God's people said, Amen.